Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Belisha Tang. This week, I'm very excited to feature rhythmic gymnast Erica Dermesropian. Erica is a former level 10 elite rhythmic gymnast, certified USA Gymnastics judge, and founder of Empowered by Stretch, or EBS Mindset. EBS Mindset is an athletic psychology training program empowering athletes to unlock their full potential in sport and life with educational videos and one-on-one mindset training sessions. Through her work with gymnasts, Erica is a force in the growing athlete mental health movement that prioritizes the mental and psychological component of elite sports in addition to physical training. Everybody, please welcome to the podcast, Erica Dermesropian. Hi, Erica. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. Thank you so much for, you know, agreeing to be on Athlete Voices. I'm so excited to share your story. Um, So Erica, you were a rhythmic gymnast, a competitive rhythmic gymnast. And how long were you in the sport for? Yeah, so the majority of my life, um, I was involved in rhythmic. I started at seven as a recreational athlete, like an artistic gymnastics, and then started competing at nine years old and I was training for about 10 years until Mm -hmm. I retired at 18 Um, and then immediately started coaching and now I am a USAG judge and also the founder of EBS Mindset so it's been the majority of my life involved in rhythmic yeah, that's amazing. And wearing different hats in the rhythmic community, you know, as a gymnast and then a judge. And now you started your own business um, surrounding, you know, mental performance coaching, right? And and stretching as well. Is that yeah, right? So mm-hmm. I ha- yeah, I have EBS mindset. Um, I actually, while I was coaching and judging, I noticed um, like such talented athletes and just being constantly overshadowed by a lack of self-confidence and I was always yeah like super interested in women's studies and my degrees in social entrepreneurship when I got my master's so I wanted to find a way throughout my research what like what was creating this lack of self-confidence and I right like an alarming amount of statistics about just females in sports in general so that led me to um once I graduated um in March of 2022 founded EBS Mindset Um, amazing yeah the athletic psychology training program that I now work with athletes with Wonderful. And I would love to talk more about about EBS mindset and what kind of work you're doing with athletes and how you're helping them improve their self-confidence because that's everything. You know, you could be so talented in terms of your technique and your physical ability, but as we know, sports is, you know, so mental in addition to physical, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's amazing that you're you're helping kind of the younger generation of gymnasts work through those mental and, and psychological blocks. Um, and I actually studied sports psychology briefly. Um, it was a master's program, and but I, I ended up dropping out after a semester to just pursue 
other ventures for now, like dancing and, and whatever. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do resonate with the sports site component and I'm always fascinated to hear um, thoughts on mental health in sports, especially in sport like gymnastics and rhythmic gymnastics, um, where there's a lot of, a lot of things to unpack, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, yeah, in general, gymnastics or ballet, the, I like the way you claim it as an aesthetic sport, mm-hmm. because I think that has so much to do and transition with how women are in the workforce and how the stereotypes can affect them Mm -hmm. and I think in aesthetic sports those are the same stereotypes that young girls are affected with right Um, so yeah EBS mindset is basically something that I think if young girls at this age are able to overcome those barriers Mm -hmm. um, then they can transition and take that with them post-sport because of course like you end your career so young you're like barely going into college you Mm -hmm. have an entire life ahead of you so I think that it's important to just create um techniques and strategies that you can take with you absolutely your career yeah I I really applaud you for for that mission statement and I agree completely that when you're that young right and we don't have uh, a very long career in rhythmic gymnastics um, although I hope to see the you know gymnasts extending their careers beyond age 19 or or 18 um, like Serena Liu recently interviewed her for for Athlete Voices. She's kind of breaking that stereotype of um, age, right? She made a comeback at 24, but most people, they finish their careers really early. And when they're learning these things in, from the sport, these lessons that are reinforced, such as perfectionism, um, you know, that's one key thing that I'm sure many gymnasts struggle with is perfectionism and fear of failure and body image and things that women at large in society face already. And in gymnastics, it's kind of to a magnified degree, right? Um, And then it's like you're teaching them all these things from a young age when they internalize it so strongly and then they retire and then they still have all these, uh, this baggage you know, to to carry with them that is only going to get even more enforced in the real world, right? So then it just becomes this whole thing. Um, so amazing and would love to talk to you more about uh, the specific work you do with clients and how you help them uh, foster the positive mindsets to counteract um, all these doctrines that we are um, we are taught from a young age, um and before we do that i would love to talk more about your own personal experience in rhythmic gymnastics so you said you started at seven uh as an artistic gymnast yes Mm -hmm. yeah i started out as an artistic gymnast but i fell in love with the beauty and performance aspect of rhythmic gymnastics Mm -hmm. yeah so i was always a pretty decent gymnast i would say i was never the best in the gym and i was always working to try to grab my coach's attention mm-hmm. I think that um but I was a very hard worker so I ended yeah. up doing pretty well throughout my years 
ranking like top 10 making the junior olympics like every year but it almost felt like i was barely making it so Mm. i think that that has a lot to do with um how i got into ebs mindset and i think the majority and like the huge highlight of my career in the transformation was when i really just was in level nine um after my first year and I didn't make level 10 and I was scrolling through the pages of the award ceremony and my name was almost like at the bottom of the fourth page and I was just mm-hmm. felt so demoralized that I had put so much time and energy and felt so close to the finish line but so far away from mm-hmm. my dreams especially being like in high school like you're balancing so many things at that age right And I was, like, told my mom and my coach, I was like, you know what, like, I think, like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then it wasn't until I really confronted that I was in fear of failure. And that was the reason that I didn't want to continue because I was just afraid of, and I was allowing fear to consume me. But I think I realized that once I accepted that this is, something that I want for myself and I think a lot of gymnasts that's something that I try to work with um with them that they have to know where their motivation is stemming from Mm -hmm. and after doing like shifting my mentality completely and proving to myself that I am good enough regardless of what the outcome of my accomplishments are going to be I started showing up to training so differently Mm. and I think that's what EBS mindset is for like to show up very intentionally and to know that you're fighting to become the best version of yourself and not competing against any other athlete yeah so that yeah that year I basically it was in 2013 so a while back Mm -hmm. um I became the level nine senior national champion oh, wow. and in the same year I was also made level 10 and ranked top 12 in the nation as a level 10 senior competing against like so many gymnasts I idolized yeah. in magazines growing up so yeah wow. it's an amazing accomplishment absolutely me. wow congratulations on that it is indeed an amazing accomplishment and what I find more even more fascinating is the fact that at that young age still, like you were still in high school, right? You were able to come to that shift in mindset um, on your own, right? Did you see like a sports psychologist, excuse me, or a therapist? um, Or was it kind of like an internal shift um, that you came to by yourself? Yeah, no, um, I... It was, like, hard enough for my family to afford private lessons mm-hmm. because gymnastics is such an expensive yeah. sport yeah. with all the travel. So that was completely out of my reach. Right. Um, sports psychology, it was just kind of like I reached this peak moment where I was like, am I going to walk away from all of this time and energy I've spent yeah. just because I'm afraid? Or am I going to just get over that and really just give it all I got, regardless of what the outcome's going to be? So, yeah, it was just something I would say, like, very internal that I had to face. And I think, mm-hmm. like, being older, you, you're you more aware of all of those, like, the fears you have versus, like, when you're young, like, if you're a junior competing at that high level, you kind of just, like, go for it. You're a mm-hmm. lot fear- more fearless, I would say. 
Yeah, and not only fearless, I think there's a degree of almost being naive or not um not really having the the foresight maybe and the self-awareness to feel those emotions like fear. Um you just kind of do it, right? You just kind of do it. Um but then when you're older, like you said, um it becomes a lot more of an internal experience, which is why I really applaud you for making that shift within um by yourself without kind of the external um, I guess guidance. Um, and this is interesting because these are the things you learn in sports psychology. Like if you were to see a sports psychologist, a big topic is fear and performance anxiety and how to overcome those blocks. And the fact that you were able to identify those core beliefs of fear of failure, perfectionism, and how am I going to overcome this? Because clearly you still had a passion for the sport, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And I I seriously it's it's so inspiring that now you're able to use your personal experience to help other gymnasts overcome similar mental blocks within themselves. And so, you know, you you said you made level 10. That's the highest level and you were top 12 in the nation competing against national team members, right? Definitely. That was Yeah. That was an entire other mountain within itself. Yeah. I remember feeling at that competition like, whoa, self-imposter syndrome, I do <laughs> not belong here, like, this is not my realm. And that was is another reason where I was like, I can't imagine if I did have um, someone back then, like, teaching me skills to just understand, like, hey, if you made it to that point, you definitely belong right. to be in that, like, arena competing with those athletes. And I think that if all gymnasts just had like a support system a mentor that's not their coach or their parent Mm -hmm. um it'll really help them to just like go above and beyond and exceed expectations or exceed their goals that they set for themselves absolutely um mentorship is key right and it's like you were able to kind of work on those things by yourself and be your own cheerleader and i think that's incredible and I also know that not everyone can do that you know and and certainly it takes the kind of person to be able to have that introspective awareness um but also imagine if you had them that mentorship at the time uh how much how much better it would have been like the experience overall right it's like you don't have to go through it alone even though maybe you can, in theory, that like you could figure it out if you had no other choice. But if you had a mentor who's been through it, like a peer mentor, um, and who can give you guidance and, and kind of cheer you on along the way and give you that confidence that maybe you yourself lack at the time, um, I think that would be brilliant. And and you're doing that. You're providing that mentorship for younger gymnasts. And that's that's beautiful to see that. Yeah. And one of the other things that um, pushed me to start EBS Mindset is because I knew the transition post-sport into mm. wherever you were going, whether it was college or working, that transition is so difficult, so especially hard. if you're ending at like an older age or even a younger age, you have mm-hmm. different challenges. Um, but I wanted to create like an opportunity for gymnasts once they to not like run away from gymnastics and bury it and try to find a new identity, but just 
really find a different way to get back to the sport. So I think that so many gymnasts, if they're in college or they travel, they leave their home and they start school, then they can also be a mindset mentor on EBS mindset. So that was also another big motivation for me to start um, EBS mindset. That's incredible. Transition out of sport is a whole topic in itself. It's super well-researched in sports psychology literature because it's such a universal experience um, within athletes. It's hard. It's hard, right? Tell me about your own transition out of gymnastics. Yeah, so I think um, it was, it's funny. When I first (laughs) um, quit gymnastics, I was so used to just overwhelming myself with, I have to do this, this, this. Like I remember Mm -hmm. I joined dance team, um, my freshman year of college, I had two jobs. I was taking five classes. Oh, I was wow. still staying up till 3 a.m. to study, even though I didn't need <laughs> to do any of this. Yeah. I was just so used to that lifestyle. The hustle. And I think, yeah, it's taken me so long to just sit back, accept, like, that <laughs> nothing needs to be overwhelmed and, like, piled yeah. on, like, yeah. and just live in the moment. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think that's something that I'm still learning. Yeah, I think that is the hardest when you transition post-gymnastics career and you're so goal-oriented. Goal-oriented, yeah. Okay, now what? I completely resonate with that. Gymnasts are so performance-oriented. I mean, all athletes. But Mm -hmm. um, just speaking to rhythmic gymnastics, the sheer amount of hours and training it takes to excel at that high level that you were at, it's hard to switch from that to just chilling out right it's like you retire and you're not competing anymore but you're still so hardwired into that life into that life of hustling and achieving and doing things right it's so hard to just sit back and be in the present and maybe slow down so um right and so so Looking back on that experience, like what kind of advice would you give to your younger self who was facing this this transition out of the sport into quote unquote normal life? Yeah, it's funny how you mentioned hustle culture because I <laughs> feel like that also has so much to do with um, the year we're in now. Like it was very much pre-COVID, like hustle culture yeah and I think in gymnastics as well like the emotional and physical abuse is so normalized mm. in rhythmic especially and it's the dialect you have within yourself and you carry that dialect the internal like negativity um like stemming from your subconscious that's pushing you you think to yourself, okay, if that's the way I was pushed to success as a gymnast, that's what I need to do for myself now as an adult or post your gymnastics career. And I think after COVID, when the entire world just like slowed down, that was also what pushed me to realize that the power lies within your mindset and wellness is so needed in sports. It was seen in the Olympics. It was seen um, with Naomi Osaka, with Simone Biles, Mm. like so many female athletes coming out and really prioritizing wellness. Mm -hmm. And you, you can't be your best unless you 
are in a space in your mind that is fueling you with confidence. So mm-hmm. I think that's something I would go back and definitely tell myself at that age or something that I hope I can teach to the younger generation of athletes now, especially competing in this um in this time period because it's so right. different from the years that we were competing in. No, absolutely. Um, I think hustle culture, I, I love that you mentioned COVID because I think it gave all of us like a, that much needed dose of perspective um, that mm-hmm. hustle is not the only way of being, <laughs> right? Um, Definitely. Society at large, you know, not just gymnastics, but I feel like in America, we do have this very goal-driven, achievement-oriented society. Um that pushes people to neglect their health um, in favor of outcomes and performance. And there's nothing so, so um, representative of that as the world of competitive sports, right? Um, And the fact that you were in college and you said you were doing five classes, two jobs, right? Dance team. And you know, from the outside, it's like, wow, you know, that's amazing. And how is she doing that? And that's really impressive. Um, But then beneath that, it's like, I think it's also important to recognize the importance of health, you know, and self care. And would you say that during that period of hustle, like during college, how how are you doing mentally and and emotionally and physically um, during that time? Yeah, I think I was more so just trying to navigate um, a new world and a new transition outside of sport mm-hmm. and like seek a new identity. I think that's something that I wish back then I just could accept that gymnastics can still be a part of my identity. I don't need mm-hmm. to like run away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can just utilize what I learned from the sport and help other gymnasts or other athletes um empower themselves as well and even though it took me um years to learn that that's ultimately what I want to do as a career choice Mm -hmm. I think the journey um within coming to this point is gonna help me be a better mentor to athletes or be a better um leader in general because it takes so much um as a leader you have to know so much about yourself and reflect on your journey in order to help others and guide others to reaching their peak levels of success in their life as well totally and having that personal experience you can come from a place of empathy because i think this experience of transitioning out of the sport and seeking a new identity and almost wanting that new identity immediately um, because when you don't have a strong anchor you know to tie yourself to you can feel lost I think a lot of retired athletes they feel lost in the beginning um, of the transition right? Because before that, gymnastics was the central part of your life. It demanded so many hours and so much commitment. Um, I look back on my gymnastics days and I, the word that comes to mind, the very first word that comes to mind is simple. Simple Mm -hmm. in that 
it was difficult. It was hard uh, mentally, emotionally, physically. But at the same time, it was like you knew what you had to do every single day with training and school. Um, you knew exactly what your goals were. They were very concrete and you knew how to get there right mm-hmm. and it also happened when we were younger so it's like we didn't have to deal with adulting responsibilities right um how old are you right now by the way i am 26 years old okay yeah. cool 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 yeah so still in the adulting's 20s era <laughs> yeah, i feel like it's yeah. definitely like interesting because mm-hmm. you do notice how much you learn um when you're young and you carry that with you Mm. like throughout the rest of your life or even like years after the sport I'm you still struggle with so much body image or the idea of oh I'm fine like any related injuries you may have Mm. no pain no gain mindset like you still see all of what you're trained from when you're little come Mm -hmm. up in different areas of your life as an adult you have to go back and be like okay (laughs) that's not how it's supposed to be right that is how I was trained right throughout the majority of your life seriously like preach it it's so it's so true it's so true those things that you learn when you're a kid like from age seven on to 18 right seven to 18 was your duration of your competitive career um that's like the period of time when you're most um when these things get imprinted the most strongly I think um and literally from a physiological standpoint it's like your neural connections and networks are all hardwired in such Mm -hmm. a way to to believe these lessons like not just believe it but feel it at a core level things like um for my personal experience is like the body image stuff right the um the perfectionism the fear of failure the um all of that stuff it comes back to you it's hard to unlearn it but it's important too because you have a whole life ahead right and a lot of the lessons I'm sure there were many lessons positive lessons you you took away from the sport which I want to ask you about next is the lessons you learned from rhythmic the good ones but at the same time there's also the the unhealthy unhelpful behavioral and thought patterns that we kind of need to dismantle right and so let's talk first about the positive, the positive lessons that you've taken away from the sport. I think definitely understanding that progress is not linear and it takes setbacks and failures in order to reach success mm-hmm. and to become the best version of myself. I need to be already showing up as her in my present life. So when I was a gymnast, like, My second year of level nine, I was mentally already practicing and competing as if I was level 10. Mm -hmm. Like I truly just absorbed that. And I think that I also apply that concept to my life now, even throughout school or throughout my venture. Just if I ever feel like 
I'm not enough or this isn't perfect enough or I won't ever achieve whatever destination I have in mind. I just have to really tell myself that no, this is who I am. I can be her in that moment and Mm -hmm. just show up and be present and show up as the person that I aspire to be or the goal I aspire to achieve. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, And just recognizing that self-confidence and combating the imposter syndrome that many people have, right? That's central to being a successful athlete. Um, At the same time, kind of uh, contradictory is being in gymnastics, a lot of people struggle with that, right? It's like confidence is essential to being successful. But even at the highest level, like I've talked to national team gymnasts who they really struggled too with the imposter syndrome. Um, so you can see it also at the highest level. So imagine, right, if you were already a high, high level athlete, like you were, like you were, um, and you had the self-confidence to back it up. Imagine how far you could go, you know, even further than, than, um, you could imagine. And that's, I think, where you can unlock the latent potential within you as an athlete um and so it comes back again to just how how impressed I am that you are helping the younger generation of gymnasts get into that healthy mindset um and combat the limiting beliefs right yeah you truly couldn't have said it any better that's like (laughs) exactly the entire mission and the goal so yeah happy to hear that for sure um now let's talk about just the negatives um, because it's an important topic and important conversation to be had. Mental health in sports, particularly in rhythmic gymnastics, what are some areas that we need to improve on? Yeah, I would say now as opposed to how... Um the generation we were competing in, Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot less um, difficult on body image, which is nice. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of judges saying they're a lot more quote-unquote healthy or looking gymnasts, to put it in a better way, Mm -hmm. than um, while I was competing, it was almost every single gymnast I knew had a terrible relationship with food yeah and it was so normalized like you were just making excuses for yourself like um your parents your coaches like it is what it is you have to be a certain body image and size in order to compete your best in order to do certain elements in order to do certain risks like it just all funneled down to um it is what it is. And if you yeah. want to succeed, this is how it's going to be. Mm. And just so many excuses of, oh, at least I'm not bulimic, or at least I'm my parents don't control my diet, or at least my yeah. coach, I'm not afraid that my coach is going to hurt me if I eat something. But at the end of the day, like, even I knew I was doing certain things, like, locking myself in my room so I wasn't eating dinner like even Mm. if I was starving or dieting like before competitions and 
just a lot of unhealthy habits I formed and I would make excuses like it could be worse it could be worse it's not that bad but I knew that at the end of the day that it was just it's just not healthy to think that you need to do this or you're not going to achieve your goals and I'm happy to see at least now there are a lot of coaches that are more relaxed and think health is super prioritized so that's good to know that it's like Mm -hmm. moving into a healthier direction than what it was back then definitely and yeah I echo what you said about the body image stuff um it's just so toxic like it just strikes me what you said about making excuses like saying well yeah I'm struggling but at least it could be worse I mean Mm -hmm. Jesus like yeah it could be worse but look at how bad it could get you know, and also not to discount your own struggles. Um, all of it is just, it was incredibly toxic with the body image. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that that side of the sport is, um, getting more into a healthier mindset of, it's not so black and white, you know, I think in the younger generation and, even in the earlier days of rhythmic gymnastics, like in the 90s, you see all the gymnasts are so, so thin, like mm-hmm. emaciated thin, and it's kind of scary, you know? Um, but these days I'm seeing gymnasts at the higher level, like internationally um, competitive gymnasts, they, they, are, they look healthier. They look healthier. Definitely. And that's I remember great. looking back at pictures of myself, and I'm like, I cannot believe <laughs> I thought I was overweight. Right? <laughs> like, it's I such a delusion. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that just goes to show, it, it's like mental distortions and delusions that you have to dismantle, um, but it's very difficult to do in that moment when you are surrounded by a lot of pressure and a lot of you're seeing a lot of these role models and peers who are doing the same things like trying to conform to a very particular body type and resorting to very unhealthy means to do that um wonderful to see that this this part of the gymnastics culture is shifting um what are some other other topics surrounding mental health in in gymnastics that we can discuss yeah I think um definitely just paying attention to any injuries you may have because for me specifically that's something that I easily overlooked and figured oh it's fine once I quit like my body's gonna be recuperate perfectly Mm. and that's definitely the opposite effect (laughs) like I struggle with so um much back issues Mm. and knee pains and just like things that even after my body had settled I developed more injuries because I think Mm. I like finally just stopped being so intensive so now even when I go to do some running like immediately I'll feel my knees so I think that that needs to be more prioritized as well and I can see USAG doing that a lot more like healthy training habits with over splits back flexibility um I know that they're taking a lot of they've taken a lot of elements out already back Mm -hmm. in the day we had flexibility as a requirement in the routines and now it's just turns leaps and balances Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I everything is being pushed um slowly but surely to um 
definitely more healthier way of sport, which is super nice to see. For sure, for sure. Um, I've seen these days, you know, the rules of rhythmic gymnastics shift constantly um, with each cycle, we, with each Olympic cycle. Um, these days, what I'm noticing is um, there's a lot more difficulty, kind of the unlimited ceiling of difficulty in terms of handling and um, apparatus and everything like needing to be caught in a walkover or some kind of mm-hmm. um, acrobatic skill like that. Um, and that's why we see a lot, we see different kinds of injuries happening these days. Shoulder, wrist, hand injuries, I think, are more common. Um, so the sport's always evolving. I didn't know that they actually took out the flexibility requirement. So that's that's great to hear. That's definitely a step in the right direction. Because um, rhythmic gymnasts, we're like, we're like contortionists, we're dancers, we're acrobats. It's like everything combined into one sport which is what makes it so unique, but there are a lot of injuries. Um, I feel like contrasting it with artistic gymnastics, obviously artistic is a lot more risky in terms of acute injuries. Like you could literally, like in theory and literally break your neck, like doing a skill. Um, But rhythmic Mm -hmm. is more of an overuse long-term injury kind of thing, I think. Um, so injury management and listening to your body is so important for longevity as well, right? It's like, if you want to continue the sport for longer, um, then you got to really take care of your body and, and dismantle this kind of no pain, no gain concept, which is instilled in us, right? From a young age, it's like, yes, you got to endure discomfort um to push your body to do amazing things but at the same time you need to be mindful that there is a limit that you that should not be pushed um mindlessly right you need to be very careful listening to your mind and body and train smart right be a smart athlete yeah so many sports require like training through difficult circumstances and really pushing yourself and your body but I think in rhythmic specifically you're asking your body to do things that it wasn't made to do and Mm -hmm. so many athletes are unfortunately cut off in their careers due to their bodies just giving out and that's what's so important I think to make sure that if you are training in flexibility it's in healthy ways and not pushing against um and listening to your body really just when you start to notice like inflammation or discomfort that is just out of the ordinary um then to really just take the time and take start to implement the stretches or techniques that will help prevent further injuries mm-hmm Definitely. Um, And on the topic of just being a a smart and mindful athlete, um, what about how you handled performance anxiety if you had anxiety? 
Um, what were some ways you were able to self-regulate that and, and navigate the anxiety? Yeah. So, um, I did, I would say when I was younger, I got nervous, um, like just as like a normal athlete, Mm -hmm. but I think there's like a huge difference between like controlling your nerves and then actually truly stepping into like this powerful version of yourself on the carpet like just transforming um into a different athlete that no matter what happens what's so interesting about rhythmic is you're trained for so many hours but you're truly just performing for a minute and 30 seconds so the reaction must be so quick Mm -hmm. and you don't do you don't have time to think about the past or the future in your routine you have to just remain in that present moment and just continue to keep pushing forward and doing your best even if you dropped your apparatus or it went out of bounds or something terrible happened it broke and you have to grab the replacement apparatus Mm -hmm. i think that all of those things are very different from like performance anxiety versus just getting like regular nerves before your competition and then actually while being in the performance um learning how to compete um in a strong way i think that's like the main difference Mm -hmm. i would say yeah uh speaking from my experience i was always a nervous nervous competitor um definitely had performance anxiety i would say um and I love what you said about you have to have that laser focus of being in the present because one minute, 30 seconds on the carpet per routine flies by, right? Mm-hmm. And and it takes such quick reaction and recovery from mistakes and um, that differentiates a amateur athlete from a higher level, more seasoned athlete is that ability to recover, I think from because there's so much that could go wrong, right? There's so much that could go wrong in a routine, but you can't let yourself think about that. Um, Did you have any pre-performance, pre-competition rituals to get you into that very focused headspace? Yeah, so I think definitely um, I was doing a lot of self-talk the entire week before a competition. Mm -hmm. So just really manifesting the outcome I desired. And I always had this phrase I would tell myself, whether it was like the week before competition, during competition, um, whenever I started to feel like these nerves or like this fear build up, I would say, I'm calm, confident and going to do my best. And I think it just ended up being like a phrase that would just, I was conditioned, but like once I heard myself saying it, like I would just calm down, relax and just truly believe the words. Um, and -hmm. then I was always listening to my music, visualizing my routines in the car, driving to competitions Mm -hmm. on the airplane. Um, and then the thing I would do right before my routines, and I started doing this once when I was older, is just letting go of my towel and taking a deep breath before stepping onto the carpet. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that that was just, um, really just allowing me to like leave everything back and just step into like the moment of me and my routine. Right. That was like, yeah, the symbol I would say behind that. I love it. 
I love it. And yeah, you know, I just got goosebumps <laughs> hearing about just the moment before it brings back memories and it's everyone has their own kind of ritual that gets them into that competitive headspace. Um, and again, it's like it goes back to what you're doing with athletes now is offering this mentorship of things that worked for you right and giving them those tools that maybe they can try out um and just going about the psychology behind competing in a more systemized way because I assume you had to kind of come up with these things on your own just through experience right no exactly I can't even imagine like this is just I feel like it was just me, like, reading or my mom telling me you need to do this and then just, Mm -hmm. like, trying out trial and error, but, like, definitely no guidance, no structure Mm -hmm. at all whatsoever. Um, And, like, even my coaches, they were so young, too. I was their first gymnast. They had just started their gym. Mm. So it was just a lot of growing and learning. So I can't imagine just the structure of having a program where there's athletes that are recently um just finished their athletic careers and they can turn to level nine gymnast or younger gymnast just in this space where you feel so overwhelmed and like Mm -hmm. your goals are so far far away and to be able to work with someone one-on-one that can give you strategies and techniques that you can implement and just figure out ways to maximize your training Mm -hmm. rather than just like going into the gym and praying oh like is it gonna be a good day is it gonna be a bad practice like letting the practice happen to you rather than like actually controlling your practice and the outcome of like your year and the season that you're going to have right definitely um that 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 whole thing of being in control guiding your own practices being in control of your mind right because a lot of the sports psychology stuff, I think both of us grow, growing up, we didn't really have that formal guidance of sports psych. We kind of just did a trial and error approach. They always say, you know, my coach would always say, and many coaches would say, oh, you just need experience. Like the more you compete, the easier it will get. And it, yes, it's true. Like experience definitely builds confidence. But um, imagine how much quicker you can get to that place of confidence if you had a mentor and a more systematic approach to develop developing mental performance tactics and confidence. And so I really love what you're doing um, for the younger generation, for sure. And if if someone wanted to um, contact you for for mental performance services how how what's the best way they can reach you yeah so i have my website empoweredbystretch.com mm-hmm. um and my instagram page empoweredbystretch.com mm-hmm. and right now i'm working on exciting things so i Ooh. offer the one-on-one training and the athletic psychology videos i have on my website and i'm also starting um, to offer team training sessions. So we're going to do workshops, um, for teams. So that's exciting. And I also created audios. So 
there's so much going around with headspace and calm yeah. and I think that's all just a product of the environment that COVID has put us in mm-hmm. but I want to just really like maximize and help athletes in aesthetic sports and in these calm and headspace apps like nothing is ever as we know as rhythmic gymnast tailored for rhythmic gymnast because it's such a unique and small sport mm-hmm. so I want to be able to offer um that for rhythmic gymnasts so I have like specific curated audios um that can help gymnasts before competitions before practice things they can listen to mm-hmm. to really guide them like maybe if they're doing over splits mm-hmm. um an appropriate way to like enhance their muscles and stretching and not forcing themselves so working right. on like different strategies and techniques that um just can help athletes in general maximize their sport and mm-hmm. just become the best versions they can be definitely i love it so it's empowered by stretch.com you guys should definitely check it out um i i am just floored by how beautiful the mission is and can really see the potential of helping athletes and gymnasts in particular at a larger scale. We need this, Erica. We need more support from the mental, psychological, emotional side, Um, physically as well, right? Fostering healthy stretching training practices like we talked about, listening to your body, injury prevention. And mind and body are so, so interrelated. Um, So beautiful work you're doing. And remind me, when did you start this business? Right out of your master's program? Yes, I started um, in March 2022. So it's been like almost six months since I launched the program. And I've been fortunate enough to work with teams already throughout the summer I was doing workshops and work with um currently work with a few athletes but we're onboarding new um members of the team so new athletes that have just transitioned out of um the sport will be mindset mentors and we have a workshop administrator that's joining us so there's a lot of exciting stuff and I think everyone is just all interested in empowering athletes the same way you are and we're just mm-hmm. all still so passionate about rhythmic and yeah um yeah I think that that has brought us together and even the two of us like I love the <laughs> fact that we were able to right away just understand each other and yeah. really align on our vision absolutely um and and I agree we were able to connect so so immediately I'm so glad you reached out um and we're able to spread this message and of of you know you can have a healthy positive experience um as a high level competitive rhythmic gymnast and just a disclaimer you know not everyone has bad experiences or toxic experiences um there are athletes out there gymnasts who compete at a high level who look back on their careers and say you know, I I had it I had it good. You know, I really enjoyed my time um, competing. But the people I've spoken to on this podcast, um, a lot of them can share in in the toxicity. You know, it happens and it's still out there, and we just need to work to combat it um, because they're 
is a life, right? This this is life. You know, it's, gymnastics is part of our life, but it's not everything, and it shouldn't it shouldn't yeah, eclipse so like passion. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so much passion behind everyone. Yeah. Like um, when you're working, like co- coaches are the most dedicated and passionate people I know mm. um, in the sport. And they, they mean well. They really want what's best for you. It's just like you're saying, it's just the way that the sport is it was built and yeah. the system that that's what we rely on. And we think that's the only way it can work. And mm-hmm. I think we're like entering a new era of wellness just in general and we see that in an on an olympic level so i'm excited to just be a part of creating that um for gymnasts everywhere and at every mm-hmm. level not only on a professional level mm-hmm. there definitely is a movement happening a shifting of the culture and it's it's starting and and it's growing in momentum and i am so happy that both of us can be a part of that journey um and yeah so so going back to your story um let's see what are some things that you miss and do not miss about being a competitive gymnast oh i definitely miss um the memories created with teammates i Mm -hmm. made my best friends, mostly people I still stay in contact with to this day from the sport. And I just like the fact that Rhythmic is so small and unique and you feel like you know everyone in the sport. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I really enjoyed that um, and I do miss that. It's like a little world that you're a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like that I have now in my life is the freedom to travel and just live life on my terms Mm -hmm. and not necessarily be in like this strict um environment that you live like as an athlete right yeah it's like we we did our time we earned our stripes now we can enjoy (laughs) enjoy life and and also help the younger generation like you're doing um that's wonderful. Um, and so obviously you're still within the rhythmic community helping the younger generation of gymnasts. Um, so what is that like? You know, how, how do you connect with younger gymnasts um, to help them out? Like what's, what's your primary way of connecting to them? Yeah, so um, as a judge, uh, I see a lot of the way the athletes compete too. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like I'm always just learning, absorbing, um, talking to different members of USHE, sports psychologists um, that represent USA at the Olympics, um, the athlete representatives. I'm just always involving myself and learning and growing so that I can be a better mindset mentor um Mm -hmm. for future athletes and just i'm very aware of where rhythmic is going um how it's being judged how coaches are training um so i stay like super involved just so i can 
give better advice, be a better mentor, be a better um, support system and guidance for the athletes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I had so many connections as an athlete. And I think that one thing um, I did was I didn't um, walk away from the sport, but I continued to nurture those connections, mm-hmm. um, whether I was just coaching or just when I left, I was originally a gymnast in LA and then I went to school in San Diego and I studied abroad in Spain. And I think Mm. everywhere I have been, I've always found a gym that I'm like, I want to help like a coach or even while I was in Spain, I found some athlete friends that I had. And I think that that has just fostered a community that I have now. And that has led me to, um, gain a better network for EBS mindset and to have that grow. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so great to see that you're still you still have that passion for rhythmic gymnastics and now you're able to carry that passion to help so many different athletes all over the world. Um that's that's wonderful. Um yeah. Yeah, is there any kind of like top, let's say, top three pieces of advice you would give to young gymnasts who are still competing, um, what would you say to them? Wow, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. so much I could get into. Um, yeah, or maybe top one, top one overarching piece of advice. Well, the curriculum for EBS Mindset that I created is there's so much that goes into your practice. And of course, it's physical when you're young. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're older, um, after speaking with so many professional athletes as well, and asking them, like, was mindset like a huge part of your training? And they all said that definitely, especially the Olympians um, that were rhythmic gymnasts, all said that at the end of the day, like when you get to that high level, every single person you're competing with is almost perfect physically. They all Mm -hmm. have their strengths and weaknesses, but the difference in competing and who performs the best is the one with the strong mindset. So I would say to any younger gymnast that if they're able to master um, the techniques and strategies that can help them to compete not only consistently, but confidently, um, then that is what will set them apart once they get to the higher levels. I think that is what's going to really lead them to success. And they're not competing against anyone at that level but themselves. So that is the Mm -hmm. one piece of advice I would give um, younger athletes Mm -hmm. currently. That's awesome. it's funny because I was uh, watching an interview f- with Irina Wiener, you know, the Russian mm-hmm. Russian Federation president of RG, um, controversial figure, of course, but she did mention one quote. She said, you must transcend yourself. Um, you must overcome yourself, right? So this idea that we as athletes at the highest level in order to be an Olympic champion you need you better know your mind. <laughs> you better know your fears. You better know yourself and how you respond to fear and how um and how to work with it and how to be strong 
not just physically, but mentally, for sure. Um, and I love that. I love that you're you're working with younger athletes to to help them come into their step into their power. And just the name of your business empowered, empowered by stretch. It's it's so it is powerful, right? It's a powerful message. It's like you don't have to be even if you're a young athlete, you don't have to be without a voice. You know, you can take control of your journey um, and work in collaboration with your coaches and with those people who are quote unquote higher up, higher up than you. Um, You don't have to just take in what they say at face value and not be able to voice your own thoughts and opinions right and definitely you you couldn't have said it any better just take <laughs> control of your journey yeah and i think that's something that is starts with your athletic career and pours over into your professional life especially as a female so that is definitely the overarching goal that i have or that i had when i started ebs mindset and what i really truly want to achieve and just help women in general yeah, and it starts with young girls, especially mm-hmm. the most ambitious ones where they are in yep. um, rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's such a beautiful sport, um, requires so much training and athleticism on top of the artistry. And I, I hope that people who are in it can also enjoy the process, the journey, and, and take away positives from the experience. Um, Thank you so much, Erica. Wow, this was a very enlightening interview and I am very inspired by your message. I cannot wait to see where you take EBS and and I would love to see you scale it to even as as big as we can get. Um, yeah, thank yeah. you so much. It's <laughs> such a pleasure speaking with you. I, yeah. loved, I enjoyed this so much. No, me too. And I'm in California. I'm in San Francisco. So if you ever find yourself in the Bay, would love to meet in person. Yeah. <laughs> Talk more about Rhythmic. Yeah. All right, Erica, have a great rest of your day. Thank you, you too. All right, bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode of the Athlete Voices podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. We have new episodes every Tuesday, so click subscribe to stay up to date. Follow us on our Instagram at Athlete Voices and check out our website, athletevoices.net, where we write feature articles and blog posts about all things aesthetic sports. Talk to you guys next week. Bye.